that bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been to prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the fed. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me. It wasn't John's troop that saved me. But God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. This is part two of our episode with Josh Zuniga. Josh, I'm glad to have you back. Glad to be back. I appreciate it. We we had a really good time. We actually had to stop. Uh, we were way over, and I just I had so much more to talk about as we talk about uh, the past of your broken life, like yeah. the the BC before Christ part. Um, if you don't know what one broken life is, maybe you're just kind of catching up. You need to go back and listen to part one of Josh's story. Oop. And then we'll we'll do part two. I just moved this, so that's okay. We'll we'll do an improv here. Hopefully that doesn't block the microphone. Um, so, anyways, one broken life is a is a production of Freeway Ministries. We explore unique uh, individuals. We have conversations about uh, their their lives, uh, where they come to the point of brokenness, um, where they come to that point where they uh, where they actually surrendered their life to Jesus, and um, and their life went from a big mess to a big message. And so we are kind of our theme verse for One Broken Life is Psalm 51, 17. David says, the, the sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and a contrite spirit. You will not despise, O God. Um, and I like what, what uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says. Paul says, the things which happened to me have actually for, turned out for the, for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're doing here um, at One Broken Life. We're exploring stories, uh, people's lives that have come from the pit to the pulpit, uh, from that destructive life of addiction and crime um, to the place where uh, they're being used by God today. Yeah. And we hear about the negative impact drugs and alcohol, crime, make uh, addiction makes in our communities, fatherless homes, prisons and institutions full. The other countries say, why don't you just build a prison wall around America? Yeah. Uh, there's there's more prisons in America than the rest of the country or rest of the world combined. I mean, that's who we are. Uh, you know, our country is known for that. And so we want to explore the radical impact that one one radically changed drug addict can make, right? Someone Absolutely. who used to be in, in addiction and crime, but now they're, they're a Christian and uh, they're walking with Jesus and the impact that they're having on our communities is just crazy. And yeah. so that's why we're here. <clears throat> Um, that's what we do. And so we, we, we covered your story, Josh, just in a brief overview. Uh, Josh came out of an ICU unit. He drank himself in a cardiac ICU three times in two months. Is that right? No, four times in three months. Four times in three months. That's confusing. Okay. Yes. Four times in, in three months. Yes. So, um, and then now you're a preacher. 
right? Yes, sir. Uh, you came through Freeway Ministries uh, discipleship program. You were on the long haul. You yeah. did four and a half years in the program instead of a year. Uh, you left, uh, went to went to Bible college. Um, you were in Bible college in the program, but you moved under the dorms, yeah. correct? And then uh, met your wife there, uh, Alex, who is your better half by far. Absolutely. And <clears throat> and now uh, you're in full-time ministry, right? Yes, sir. Full-time. And so the last part of uh, our conversation, we talked about the men's house. Yeah. And the pitfalls and the broken hearts and just all the things that goes on with the discipleship program, which is a one-year-long live-in program. Uh, they live in the homes. They go to work. They learn how to live. They learn how to apply the Bible to their lives. It's very structured, very strict. Um, there is making people leave. There's kicking people out. There's drug testing them. There's confronting conflict resolution. You become the past. You became the pastor of the men's house. You were the the house leader. You became the father of the men, and uh, you learned a lot lot there. And we talk about that. Oh, yeah. And so now, Josh, um, here you are. You 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 have your own. You're the director of a, of, of a freeway plant yes, sir. on the south side of Springfield in Nixa, <clears> right, <throat> with uh, Riverstone Fellowship, and you have a men's house yeah. now. And so how do you feel today, Josh, um, coming from an ICU unit, lost, really, didn't know the Lord, came to the men's program? Uh, you know, before we even get into that, you know, Tell us, I don't think we really talked too much about your salvation experience. No, we didn't get the chance to dig into that. And I had it on my notes, but I skipped it somehow. So let's just reflect. You come out of an ICU unit. Uh, you come to the men's house. You got to sleep on the top bunk. Yeah. Which is a nightmare. I, I remember going to jail many times and having to be on the top bunk. I hated the top bunk. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you get out of that <clears throat> uncomfortable uh, place, and then you get adjusted and it becomes your family. Yeah. And then now, and then, so, so when did you come to Christ? And then tell us, tell us that real quick, that story, how you became a Christian, how Jesus saved you. And then tell us how it feels today to be the director of Freeway South and have your own men's house. Okay. So I came in on a Thursday night. That's what we finished with in the last episode was I came in on a Thursday night being discharged from the hospital. We had Bible study that night at the house. At that time, we were still holding Friday night services at Southside Baptist Church. So that was the first time I went there. And at Southside, we used to um, hold the meals and everything before. So we would eat before because people would leave. Yeah. Uh, so they're just going over the directions, letting everyone know, hey, we're about to feed over here, bathroom's over here. And I just I feel like I'm about to start bawling, like open up. I have no idea what's going on. It's just freaking me out. And we go through service and the whole service. I mean, I just, I didn't know at that time, but I was just being drawn by the spirit and I was stiff arming it. I was white knuckling the chair. I wanted to go down front. I was scared to death to go down front. And um, I knew that there was a Saturday night service. So I said, well, I'll go down tomorrow, Saturday night service. You know, Friday night service at that time was running, I don't know, 80-ish people. And we get to Saturday night service. And I'd been before, but I just didn't even think about it. And I walk in, you know, and then we're seeing four or 500 people on a Saturday night. And the first thing that thought to my head was I should have went down an altar last night. Now i got to go down in front of all these people. And we were still at the old gym on the north side. So at the end of that service, um, the, the whole time, I, I was just thinking how I'm going to get down there, how I'm going to go down there, and am I going to have the courage to. 
Uh, should I ask somebody? I didn't really know anybody. You know, you know, I've only in the house for that at Thursday, Friday. So that was only my third day in the house. And I just remember at altar call, though, when it came altar call, I was on my knees uh, in that old dusty, dirty gym. And it felt like I was the only person in there. Um, and I just, I just came broken. And I stood up and everything wasn't fixed. Everything wasn't put back together in my life. But I stood up and something was different. There was a change. There was a distinctive change. I could feel it just in my chest and the way I breathed and my mindset. And um, I had a joy. I was excited. And at that time, we were still taking people um, back behind under the bleachers. That little counseling room was really a storage room with mops and buckets in it. And I can't remember who was doing the altar work that night, but they took me back in that room and we walked through it. And then I talked to the house leader about it. And that night, Saturday, I surrendered my life to Christ, 2015. Amen. And so now it's 2021, August. Uh, You have been in full-time ministry preaching. uh, You're the leader of your own freeway plant. I have to be careful. It sounds kind of bad. Your own. We all know it's Jesus. But you're the director, right? Yes, sir. And so how long have you been doing that? So we planted, Alex, my wife and I planted in October of 2019, um, we both graduated Baptist Bible College. I graduated with um, intercultural studies, was basically a missions degree. I know I want to do full-time missions, and um, but I didn't want to do traditional missions. I, I wanted to do freeway missions. Um, our heart, and I talked to my wife before we committed and prayed a lot about going into this, is just like you say, every city, every state, every county, all over the world, it doesn't matter where you go, there's an addiction problem. And the world tries to put their institutions at it, their medication at it, you know, their um, psychologists at it, but it doesn't work. And we know that the answer is discipleship. It's the gospel. So, you know, what we want to continue in doing is planning freeways, you know, and prayerfully go international with it is the need is all over. So my, so how, my question, how do you, well, that's kind of answer one of my other questions is basically what is your dreams? Okay. And that's your dream. Yeah. Right. Yes. So that's, that's the answer to a question I didn't ask, which was coming. Praise the Lord. <laughs> God knew that I was going to ask that question. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, but um, so how does it feel to have the men's house, Josh? It, uh, it's such a need. It feels amazing um, that us getting it, you know, we, we operated for a little over a year, just our Saturday night services before getting the men's house. But it's such a big need. You know, we would have people calling us in our church, people in that community. And I'd have to refer them to you guys, which was an awesome resource. But you guys were full most of the time as most of our houses, that they stay consistently full. So when you have to turn away people and say, you know, you can be here one night a week and give them a few other resources, it's hard because you, you can see these people that want to invest. They want to go all in um, and us not having that resource. So when God opened that door for that resource, which is originally was to purchase a, a strip club that got shut down, and we thought, oh, this has got to be it. Just the testimony in itself alone, uh, but it wasn't. God had a completely different plan, and through that, in February of 2021, we were able to open a discipleship house, and it's it's been amazing. Amen. And so do you have anybody in the program right now? Yes. So we have two individuals in the program right now, the men's house. Um, I just met with the house leader um, just right before I came here, uh, just our one-on-one, you know, the same stuff that I had meeting with you, one-on-one, just continue getting trained up and equipped. We have two more men coming out of Fulton this month that have been accepted, so just going over uh, stuff. If he's just stepped into this position as house leader, he's been doing it for about 
three months now. He's been doing a great job, um, but just continue just training and equipping him, you know, what to do next intake and problems to look at, you know, what you do in certain situations. So Yeah, and so when you say out of Fulton, a lot of people don't know what that means. What What's that mean? So out of Fulton prison, so okay. um, I believe. So, so they're home planning. Yeah. From prison to you. Yes, sir. So Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, we've created a really great relationship, as Freeway has, with multiple prisons, state and federal penitentiaries, to be a resource for these men and women getting out of prison and um, for us to be known and the judges, the probation officers, the pro officers to see that they're not coming back in three, four, or five months and they get to see these people and say, hey, this time it's worked and it never has before. So being able to create those relationships and be an option for them to home plan to our house. So tell us about Bible college. What was that like? Coming from your background, going to Bible college, living in the men's house. There's not a, pe- a lot of people in Bible college that are living in a re- recovery program. No. No, there's not. So you're in the you're in Bible college with a bunch of pastors' kids and missionary kids. A lot of them, a lot of them have never even they don't even, they wouldn't even know what a bag of dope looked like. No, um, you could you they couldn't tell the difference between that and a uh, you know soap from the <laughs> shower. And so, um, <clears throat> and, and I know what it's like because I went to BBC too. Yeah. And so here you are. In the in Bible college, what was that like being 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 in Bible college, coming from your background? It was a lot of different things. Um, the first day of school was scary; it was horrifying. I was scared to death, just going into a different world, a different element that I didn't know. You know, um, a lot of the stuff coming from the relationships that I was going to get into, or know, or build, and people that I was going to be around and sit in these classrooms, I, I know had grown up. Um, obviously, I don't know all their life stories, but uh, in a totally different world than what I lived in. Was I going to be accepted? You know, were they going to look at me like I was going to steal their backpack? You know, were the professors going to give me, you know, a chance? You know, I, I didn't know what to think. But um, through those four years, um, I, I got equipped. I got taught how to study the Bible, you know, and, and how to um, continue in a, a ministry in a way that, you know, also on the other side, we talked about earlier, that I couldn't learn in the men's house. Uh, on the other end of that, you know, as we learn for intercultural studies and cross-culture and planning stuff, uh, which is exactly what, you know, I was wanting to go. But it was hard as far as the men's house isn't easy. I mean, six out of seven nights a week, you know, we're at a book study, we're at a Bible study, we're at a freeway service, our church. So trying to delegate my time, learning how to do that, how to shepherd the men's house, um, be involved in church. And on top of that, I was serving just at freeway services on a regular basis and then doing homework and staying involved and not stepping away from my responsibilities in one area versus the other. So yeah. it was a challenge, but it was good. So you, you learn how to delegate. You learn how to balance out your life. Yeah. Um, you learn how to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. And so here you are. I remember my first day in chapel and I, I was praising the Lord and I looked around and these kids are looking at me like, whose dad is that? You know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, so tell us about how you met your wife. So Alex and I had classes together starting my first day of class freshman year. Um, we had classes together for four years in a row. We got put in groups multiple times and, um, the men's house, the women's house, no relationships, zero tolerance for dating, uh, you know, no text messaging, no Facebook messaging. So I was the one responsible for addressing those situations, checking phones and 
kicking the men out if they wouldn't submit to the consequences to do that. So it uh, it was hard because, you know, I'd start building a um, relationship as classmate and being in groups together and interacting as that way. And as it went on, you know, thinking, well, this is the last place I'm going to find a wife, you know, just age difference, my background, and there's no way. And as it got to the end, you know, you pulled me aside, you had to talk with me and say, I believe, you know, you're at this point to start. If God puts on your heart, courting a woman, but I want you to do it right. We, we have too many people that come through or don't finish or leave early because they don't want to do it the right way. And when that had came in front of me and God opened the door for that, um, I thought about Alex. I, uh, I sought counsel because I knew the age difference. Um, so I did what we tell people, I guess, sometimes not to do. I sought counsel from people that I knew that had a big age difference in their marriage, but also to get wisdom. How is that? You know, what's the struggles with it? Um, and I wanted to know, you know, what, what, how to pursue this in the right way and, you know, in you know, a biblical way. Something I've never done before. I didn't do relationships according to what God's word said. I've never done it right in my whole entire life. And this was my one opportunity to do. So. Um, that's where it started was basically the end of our junior year. Awesome. So we, uh, I made the, the nest rough for you so you could spread your wings and fly basically did. in the men's house. I knew you were scared, um, but it was time and God, God knew too, you know, he did that. And so, uh, now you're married, yes, sir. You have a beautiful wife. You've got a baby on the way. Yep. And about five weeks, five weeks. Whew. You're a homeowner. Yeah. You got your own home? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. That would have never been in my vocabulary. <laughs> Something I believe I would never be able to say. What, do you, what does your family think about you right now? I think it's just kind of a, not because of me, because of what God's done, just a constant awe almost, like it finally worked. You know, I believe at the first, and rightfully so, it was just kind of waiting to, well, how long is this going to last this time, you know? When's he going to slip up? When's he going to go back? And then six months goes by, a year goes by, two years goes by, and if they know now it's permanent, it's real, it's the real deal. And, I mean, they just – I went from them having to Josh-proof the house to me not being allowed over to the house, you know, to welcoming the homes and trusting me to come over, to come over when they're not there at the house. I mean, that, that would have never happened. And, I mean, they're just blown away by what God has done. So what's what's life for you, what's life for you like right now? What's your life look like? Like on a regular day, work week, what's your or schedule? Just schedule. What so do you do? What do you do? Do a lot. I Let's try to delegate that time wisely. Still, so you know, it's weekends are our busiest. Saturday is our freeway service. Sunday, I also serve in a role um, at the church that we're partnered with as um, director of discipleship there at the church. So preparation for that all week, you know, it's anywhere from depending 35 to 50 hours sermon prep a week between studying, delegating that between um, meetings, and also on the other end, um, what I'm doing for discipleship, um, I'm spending at least 20 hours doing that a week for the church uh, and preparing. I oversee life groups and D groups there. So that's connecting them, checking the health of them, um, leading leaders. That's, I mean, something that... Honestly, Freeway really showed me and helped me with is how to lead other leaders well. 
um, because that's a big part of my responsibility. You know, Freeway is built on volunteers uh, for the most part. A majority of the people that make a service happen on Saturday night or a Friday night is volunteers, but how to lead them well, how to stay in front of them, how to make them feel like they're not just, we're abusing their time and that we're thankful for them. So I have that on outside of that, you know, a big part is trying to partner with um, community as far as businesses, as other churches in our community. That's a big part. I think something that's a little different and unique since um, Alex and I took the route of um, going through as freeway ministry missionaries. You know, we, we raise our own support. So on top of that, then I have a lot where I try to raise support and make these connections as well. Uh, you know, and that's sometimes... Um, finding the balance between, you know, we have projects, like we're trying to pay off the rest of the men's house. So, you know, praying, asking for wisdom and discernment, is this somebody, a potential donor that wants to be a part of what God's doing here? Do I use that for the men's house? Would they be better project-based? Would they be better for monthly support? You know, what's greedy, what's not greedy as far as pursuing that? Because when we have this big need here, and I feel like I'm neglecting the need here. So it's just figuring that out from, you know, seeking counsel and praying about that but it consistently looks like that as far as work weeks there and then and monday night i lead the men's bible study at our men's houses we're just newer so trying to stay in front of them and be with them and spend time there with that it's good that's good and so uh did you ever think your life could be like it is right now no i would have thought somebody was high if they told me that i really would have you're gonna be a preacher yeah you're gonna you're gonna lead a recovery home a group you're going to lead an outreach, helping people get plugged into the local church, get free from life's bondage, uh, whether it's addiction, crime, criminal lifestyle, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And so that's going to be your job. You know, that's what you do now. I wouldn't believe that. I mean, just even the fact of that I'm not going to be an addict anymore. I wouldn't believe that, let alone going from high school dropout to college graduate, to you know, doing all these things. And it's because of God. It's because of Christ. You know, not because of my own effort. My own effort didn't get me anywhere for 27 years. But uh, I just, it's still hard to believe. What's it like being married to Alex Lyon? Lyons knowing her dad is, you know, a missionary family, all of her families. You know, her her uncle's the pastor of one of the largest churches in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Street Baptist Church, shout out to Uncle Eddie. Uncle Amen. Eddie. Amen. <laughs> there last night for dinner. There you go. And so here you are. You're at the pastor of High Street Baptist Church. I don't think they say Baptist anymore. It's High Street Church now. Uh, you're at High Street Church. Uh, the pastor, Brother Eddie Lyons, a good man. Uh, you're at his house. You're having dinner with Uncle Eddie. And uh, all of his daughters are there, probably his wife, other family members. And there you are sitting in the middle of all these people who, you know, totally different than you, uh, way back, way different. But how's that feel? feels good it, it's still like it's still hard to wrap your head around sometimes but the thing is when, when I'm there though I mean it feels they make me feel like I'm just one of them that I'm part of the family I mean Uncle Eddie and um, who I call dad um, Greg Lines. you know they they look at me like I'm one of them they don't have that distinction or hey you're doing really good in ministry or what you're doing is awesome but you know you're still one of those people or it's just a recovery it's addiction I mean you constantly hear from both of them just I can't believe what Freeway is doing. I can't believe what you guys are doing. It's just, it's so amazing. And um, you know, it's genuine. They're not just saying it to say it. And it's, no. I remember when Alex's dad came to talk to me about you. <laughs> we met at Panera, Panera Bread. 
plug to Panera Bread. But, Free. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, sponsored by Panera Bread. But um, anyways, there we are, and uh, we're having a coffee. And he said, uh, he cried. He said, I prayed for Josh. I prayed for somebody like him to be with my daughter. And he wept. And it wasn't, it wasn't fake, man. I'm, I'm from the street. I know, I know when somebody's full of it. And he was, he was sincere. And I thought, man, he's a good guy, you know. I knew then he wasn't going to look down on you if you did marry his, his daughter. So it's, a, it's pretty cool, man. What, what, uh, what's your biggest burden, Josh? My biggest burden? Just continuing to reach Christian County. You know, it's personally, I think that freeway, there's never been a freeway plant like Christian County because of our demographic that we see. You know, we don't have the, there is poverty level there, but where our freeway's at, I mean, our closest neighborhood is a gated community with half million dollar mansions. Um, the um, addicts there in that community, for the most part, they're functioning, they have vehicles. Um, so it, it's different trying to um, reach them as we continue to try to find ways to um, best reach and best engage the community there. We did our first function um, two weekends ago for back to school, and we partner with um, a new organization called um, Medical Missions. Uh, I don't think that's the right name, but uh, they a group of doctors get together with a lady that heads it up. She's on the board for Christian County Homeless Alliance. And she tells me the same stuff, the struggle with this. It's, you know, their, their homeless population is different than Greene County. You know, it's not homeless and homeless camps. It's not people on the street. It's people where you have four families under one roof. It's right. people that, you know, couch surf. Um, they don't necessarily don't have a place to go. So it's just a different demographic and just continually and just trying to re-strategize the, the best way to continue. Obviously, it's with the gospel, but um, I don't want to get stuck on where, oh, the, we can't do it like Freeway North. We can't do it like Freeway Ash Grove, you know, because the demographics are different in the different counties, different cities. Um, the core is the same. It's the gospel. It's discipleship. It's reaching out to the community, providing those needs physically and spiritually. Um, but right now, th th that's our biggest burden is just continuing trying to make those connections and get into the community there. What is, what, what, what's your biggest hurt? What's the hardest thing right now for you? I mean, what, what's the pain, most painful thing in the ministry? I mean, I think it's always going to go back to people. I mean, it, it is. It, it's messy, and you get close, and it hurts, and it's a mess worth making. It is. Um, but um, when, you, when you see the potential of people that start to go all the way in, and they commit some time, and you see the potential they have, you see that hunger or that fire they have for a little bit, um, but then you see them start getting pulled away by the world, get pulled away by family, get pulled away by drugs. And you can't physically just grab them and keep them. At, that's the biggest. It hurts. It, it's, it's heartbreaking. You, you weep for them. You really do. So you got people around here that you know from your past. Mm -hmm. This is You were here before in addiction and stuff. So how is it? How do you deal when you run into somebody that you have that past loyalty to? Have, have, do you have that problem today? Do you see anybody or... Or is, is there anybody from the past that you're trying to minister to right now uh, that just isn't getting it? So there's been a few times that paths have been crossed. Um, at first, especially when I first got saved and I was being discipled, we were meeting in front of Panera outside. That was my very first discipleship meeting, and I thought, what's somebody going to say? I'm going to be out here with the Bible. They're going to think I'm some weirdo. Like, 
you know, I just recently saved it now and how that turned quickly into, you know, us praying before we started discipleship. Lord, send somebody from our past um, in here. Let it, let them see. Give me that opportunity to tell them. And we have. So I crossed paths with um, somebody at Walmart probably six months ago. And um, I was in um, his and her wedding. They were very good friends. And she called my name, and I turned around, and she was calling her husband. She's like, I can't believe you're here. Like, we thought you were dead. They had no idea. And so Alex got, uh, Alex and I got a chance to go over there and have dinner with them. And it was just, I mean, last time they saw me, you know, it was, I was going out really bad. And I was getting really, really heavy into my addiction. And, I mean, it was just, they couldn't believe it. You're preaching now, you know, you're at church. What are you doing at church? I had that when I went to Crossway the first time in the men's house. One of the guys that, you know, I used to be involved with, you know, using back during that time. Um, He was in the sound booth and he pulled me aside. And the first words is, what are you doing here? So what do you mean? He's at church. What are you doing at a church? Like, what's going on? Couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, those are the opportunities. I said, listen, listen to what God did that I couldn't. And so it is currently, um, I don't have anybody that has crossed paths lately that, you know, I'm currently ministering to as far as that. But those probably are the two biggest ones that. The, the unique thing that we have in our ministries that I, there's no such thing as a normal church person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's normal. We're all messed up in our own Amen. special way, right? Um, you're just as lost, you know. When you're lost as a as a moral person, good moral person, than you are as an immoral person. Absolutely. So, but we have a unique uh, ministry in the fact that we did live our lives a totally different way, and so we have those past loyalties and those past friendships. And you want your old friends to have what you have really bad, but you can't make them want it, and you can't you can't change them. You know, you can do all you can, but the sad truth is, many times that those friendships separate, and you just don't have that anymore. Yeah. And so it's difficult. Um, those past loyalties are very difficult. And so how can someone support Josh and Alex Zuniga? Uh, you, you, guys, you guys have um, your – you raise your own support. Yeah. And so uh, different people can support you. Businesses can support you and help you with your, with your income. And so somebody's watching right now, and they say, you know what, are listening on, online. And they say, you know what, I really want to be a part of helping Josh and Alex. Um, what? Let's hear some goals. Like, what's your, what's your goal right now as far as support goes for your guys, you and her? I know you're wanting to put her full time, right? You're yeah. trying to get her freed up. And then, what about uh, what projects you talk about? Projects. So give us those, and then tell us how somebody can support you. So. Um, Two things right now. One of our big projects um, is paying off the rest of the men's house. So um, we've raised $100,000 so far. We have 75000 left uh, to pay off the men's house as we're trying to do a campaign to do that. Okay. Um, so we can hopefully prayerfully in the future open another one when that's filled and we're at the right point to do that. And we can use that money in other resources um, for our regular services and outreach. So our first big project is paying off the rest of the men's house with that. Um, for Alex and I, as we are, so we go through Central Missionary Clearinghouse. Um, Say so that again. Central Missionary Clearinghouse. We call okay. it CMC. It's out of Houston, Texas, and, and this was the route that we took because we, we wanted to do full-time freeway ministries and as missionaries. And, you know, we didn't do it arrogantly. We prayed about it, if God would have this path open. And he's opened the doors so far with that. So, you know, our first goal is to be able to get to $5,000 a month for our monthly support. 
and right now we're uh, right under 3,000. We're about 2,900 right now, and it's September 23rd is her last day at work, um, so we're going by faith that she doesn't go back to work by then because for her going part-time back to work, um, we're going to pay just as much in daycare um, for Amari to be able to go to daycare, and as we grow, I just, I need her help bad at Freeway. You know, she's a huge asset. She's grown up in the mission field. She knows ministry, and so I really need her at Freeway. So um, 5000 is our first goal that we're trying to get to uh, for our monthly support, and um, we have a website, joshandalex.com. It's um, like, easy to remember. Yeah, joshandalex.com. So it's got our testimony video on it, what we're doing, our mission, um, our, our promise to our supporters um, as uh, those who join our support team as uh, missionaries, what we'll upkeep and what we'll uphold on our end. It's got a link to donate, to sign up for one-time gift or monthly support um, or annual gift. Awesome. Well, I, you know, we, my wife and I support you when we can. Yeah. And uh, we are we are in your corner. We're cheering you on. Um, it's exciting to see what God is doing with your life, man. I always love to ask this question. Are you happy? More than I can say in words. I promise you that. Yeah, happier than I've ever been. It's a beautiful thing, man. It is to be able to look at your look look and say, you know what? I'm content. I'm happy. I've got joy. You know what brings you joy today? What brings me joy is being able to wake up every day sober and happy with joy. Uh, open God's word and start my day. And my job is the greatest job I'm calling on in the world. It's to do ministry full time, and I get to do that. Like. I get to do that. That just, that brings me so much joy. And like you said, being happy. One of the guys in the house, he pulled me aside, and he's been in there for almost two months now. He said, this is the first time in a long time I can remember just laughing. I don't remember what it's like to laugh until I got here. Amen. Uh, and this has just came to me, so I'm going to kind of, I have I have a question about local church involvement as we close. Uh, one of the things that we do at Freeway is we bridge the gap. <laughs> We believe one of the, the biggest hang-ups uh, in recovery ministry is the separation between the recovery world and the yep. church. Uh, that's why we have our Save Our City event. One of the big things is to get those two people groups together because you got the recovery community, even if it's a faith-based. Mm-hmm. Let's say faith-based. Let's take faith-based and get rid of that. Christ-centered. Even yeah. if it's Christ-centered, it's a gospel recovery group. If they're not plugged into a local church, if it is the local church, the recovery group is the local church, then they, they never mesh and build and, and, and connect with people who don't have a recovery background. So everybody talks the same, walks the same, acts the same. So our goal is to, to take people that have a recovery background and plug them into the local church to where they build relationships with people that don't have anything in common but Jesus, right, Amen. with them. So you were talking on the first episode about teaching second graders. And how that was your first ministry in the church, right? To be in the men's house, you have to, you get to, amen? Amen. You get to serve. uh, You have to serve. You get to serve. You're you're serving by choice, not by choice, (laughs) but sometimes force, right? Because that's a part of the program. You have to learn how to serve the Lord um, in the local church. And so your first one was learning the rainbow. You're, you're, You're teaching the second graders, and you guys are learning together. But let's just tell the brief story. Don't mention any names unless you think it's okay about how when you was uh, first first teaching, you were at uh, middle school, was it middle school? When uh, the people you work with now, they they were worried about sending their kids with you. Remember that? Yeah. Will you tell that story real quick? Yeah, so it was, um, 
they had so before you get to middle school actually it's elementary before they prep the kids to send them to middle school camp they do kind of just a one night camp and it's a lock-in basically at the church so it's to kind of prep the kids get them away from the parents for the first time see how they do and um this uh, couple that had um dropped off their little boy um who um it was i think his first time really staying away uh, from the house ever he, and it was their first night without him, basically. So they're dropping him off, mom and dad, um, Billy and Crystal Bruner. They're like some of our best friends, so I'm just going to say they're it. setting them out there. I know. We were at their house all the time, so um, we're, they're some of our best friends. And so they, What's their name again? Billy and Crystal Bruner. <laughs> so he's the children's minister at Riverstone Fellowship. Great people. Um, so they had sent me a picture just a couple months ago and said, hey, do you remember this? And it was the very first night that they dropped their son Joshua uh, off for the children's camp that night and I was the group leader and it was my first time and the mom's like hey I don't it, Billy is it okay like he I know he's he's coming from freeway he's got a background like he's gonna be the group leader staying with Joshua all night is this gonna be okay and Billy's like yeah it'll be fine did she call him like when she was there like before she let her son go like she seen no they were there together I mean, okay, so yeah. she like got on the phone right there without you knowing it no her and Billy were there together oh, okay, so, so she's she's talking having this conversation with Billy and so they, they drop them off. But um, like I said, we had, they're some of our best friends. And she was just, uh, they were both sharing the story with us just a couple months ago and sent us the picture of how little Joshua was and what that relationship is now. So Joshua and I are about to start one-on-one discipleship. Um, we're about to start next month as so we go through that. So you're discipling him now. Yeah. Um, he is in middle school. Um, they have an amazing family. But um, now we're spending our weeknights when we're free together with this and their family and I mean they are a family now and just that is that's bridging the gap between the the street and the recovery world and the local church and now we're doing life together literally we're going on vacations together we're getting ready to go with their whole family this weekend for a staff retreat and um I mean you can't make that up it's awesome so that's why it's important to bridge into the local church yeah because the walls are down yeah. Right. And if you if there if, if there wasn't a bridge in the local church, you guys would never be friends. No, we you wouldn't n- cross paths. Nope. And so that's 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 incredible. Josh, it's been a blessing, man. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. I'm so excited for you guys. Josh and Alex dot com. If you want to support Josh and Alex and help help them reach their goal, monthly support so that she can be in full time ministry with him. They're about to have a baby. Pray for Josh and Alex. Pray for uh, Amir. Amari. Amari, and uh, I'm going to butcher that name for it's a long right. time. I can barely spell my, my daughter's name. Her name is Zinley. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, uh, support them, uh, pray for them, cheer them on to the Lord. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you share it? Uh, yeah. You can you can like our, our page, Freeway Ministries, on Facebook, Josh's Freeway South. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to One Broken Life Podcast, help us grow that podcast. If you want to support Freeway Ministries as an organization, you can go to our website, freeway-ministries.com, and you can support us as we reach one broken life at a time. Thank you very much, and I hope you tune in next time to see us again. Thank you.